Blog Talk Radio. All right, let's get us a songbook out and let's turn to number 124 and stand together. Are you washed in the blood, in the precious blood of the Lamb? Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His graceless power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments Spotless are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you walking daily by the Savior's side? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Do you rest each moment in the crucified? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood? In the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb, are your garments spotless, are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? When the bridegroom comes, will your robes be white? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Will your soul be ready for the mansion's bright and be washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless, are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Lay aside the garments that are stained with sin and be washed in the blood of the Lamb. There's a fountain flowing for the soul unclean. Oh, be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless, are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Amen. I sure hope you are, because if you're not, you need to get washed very, very quickly. Amen. I hope all these folks listening in to us this morning are washed in the blood of the Lamb as well. Say, Jesus is coming soon. This thing's coming to a close, and it's time to get in if you're going to get in. Amen. Got prayer requests this morning, Miss Charlotte? Oh, my goodness. That's, yeah, Angel's a friend of hers, was a girlfriend of her son, Robert, who passed away, and she lost her mom. Y'all please pray for her. Uh, she's been a real big help to Miss Charlotte. Yes, she, so pray for her. I know she's grieving. Others this morning, prayer requests. Yeah, continue to pray for Stephanie's dad. He uh, went through surgery Thursday. He come out of it being in a lot of pain. And uh, so please pray. They're talking about maybe he may have to go spend some time in rehab over there. And uh, just pray for him. It's a big strain on everybody. It trickles down because 
We got we all depending on one another. When there's a breakdown in that, kind of it puts a strain. So pray for him and pray for everybody else involved. Um, pray for my niece Megan Regal. Um, she's the one with the pops and the heart problems and everything else from the COVID time. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. She does. She can't even function. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of that, y'all pray for my sister in Arkansas. I, I mean, I, she hadn't got a diagnosis. That's what did it, but. You know, still, her, she's waiting on a diagnosis they hadn't given her yet. So, it's you know, her spinal fluid leaking out, and they can't figure out why. So, it's been going on for all this time. She can't hardly, she can't hardly sit. All she can do is either stand or lay down. So, pray for her if she gets, she gets answers she needs and gets past this because she's very, she's a very active person who's not able to do anything. And her husband, her husband has got an enlarged heart, and he's having to take care of her. So, pray for him too. Also, I want to mention. Uh, Extended member of, of our family, I say extended member, um, but anyway, uh, her name is Jan Pierce, and uh, she's up in Arkansas, and, and she's got serious breathing issues, and, and uh, her husband asked, asked us to pray for her, and I told him that we would, you know, pray for that family. They're in, they're in the Church of Christ. They need prayer. Pray for them. Um, any others? Yes. Oh, yeah. That's right. That's right. Yes. Pray for my aunt and cousin. They're in a miserable condition down there. Bubba's still in the hospital. I went visiting this week, and he's still at Gold. Yep. He gained about 60 pounds of fluid before he went in the hospital. Now it's all in his, in his lungs. They're trying to get it all out. Also, one more. Um, the oh, Pastor Paul, I meant to ask you about that. Um, wow. Okay. Pastor Paul at Hopewell? Okay. All right. And he had a heart attack. When was that? Was it Wednesday night? Thursday? Okay. All right. Y'all remember to pray for Pastor Paul. Yeah. Yeah. Pray for, pray for, pray for that little baby. Huh? Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Before we pray though, before we pray, uh, let's take care. Of, let's yeah, let's take care of that. Will you hit happy birthday for us? We got a birthday back there in the corner. He's got a black eye. Praise God, but he's having a birthday. Amen. I got up, found you one. One of these days you'll listen to her. Let's sing. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God bless you. Happy birthday to you. Amen. Miss Anya, I'm telling you, if I have any problems, I'm going to call you. Take care of you. Amen. All right. Any other prayer requests this morning? Okay. Remember her in prayer, too. And today's her birthday. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Anybody else? Anything else? Paul's in college? Okay. All right. Anything else? Before we go to the Lord in prayer. Well, let's just, let's listen, let's pray while we're praying. Let's pray for our world that we're living in. Because there's a lot of people who don't have it as good as us that believe just like we do. 
There are people in horrible places trying to do what we're doing this morning and, and doing so under the cover of they, they might get killed if they do if they get caught doing what we're doing this morning. Let's pray for them. Their pastors are brave souls. We need to pray for those men of God and pray for those who are laboring on the mission fields uh, and never knowing what tomorrow is going to bring, those that have sold out everything for Jesus. Let's lift them up in prayer this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Robert, lead us. Amen. You can be seated. Book this morning to number 180. Bring them in. Bring them in. Two fifty two. I'm pressing on the upward way. 
to heights I'm gaining every day, still praying as I onward bound. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table land, a higher place than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. My heart has no desire to stay where doubts arise and fear dismay. Though some may dwell where these abound, my prayer, my aim is higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table land, a higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. I want to scale the utmost high and get to gleam a glory bright. But still I'll pray till heads I've found. Lord, lead me on to higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand. By faith on heaven's table and a higher place than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Amen. That ought to be every one of our desires. Amen. Never be satisfied. Always pressing forward. Amen. Because we have not arrived yet. Amen. And we're not going to. Amen. Paul said, not that I have apprehended. And if Paul hadn't got there yet, I know I hadn't. Amen. Number 50. I am resolved. That does, hey, that's, I made my mind up, though. Amen. I ain't gotten there yet, but I'm going. I am resolved no longer to linger, charmed by the world's delight. Things that are higher, things that are nobler, these have allured my sight. I will hasten to Faceless of glad and free, Jesus, greatest, highest, I will come to thee. I am resolved to go to the Savior, leaving my sin and strife. He is the true one, he is the just one, he has the words of life. I will hasten to him, hasten so glad and free. Jesus, greatest, highest, I will come to thee. I am resolved to follow the Savior, faithful and true each day. Be what he saith, do what he willeth. He is a living way. I will hasten to him, hasten so glad and free. Jesus, greatest, highest, I will come to thee. Let's sing glad. I am resolved, and who will go with me? Come with without delay. Taught by the Bible, led by the Spirit, we'll walk the heavenly way. I will hasten to him, hasten so glad and free. 
praise the Lord. I'd 
and he drove them from the judgment seat. Then all the Greeks took Sosthenes, the chief ruler of the synagogue, and beat him before the judgment seat. And Gallio cared for none of these things. And Paul, after this, tarried there yet a good while, and then took his leave of the brethren, and sailed thence into Syria, and with him Priscilla and Aquila, having shorn his head in Centria, for he had a vow. And he came to Ephesus and left them there, but he himself entered into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. And when they desired him to tarry longer time with them, he consented not, but bade them farewell, saying, I must by all means keep this feast that cometh in Jerusalem. But I will return again unto you, if God will. And he sailed from Ephesus. And when he landed at Caesarea and gone up and saluted the church, he went down to Antioch. And after he had spent some time there, he departed and went over all the country of Galatia and Phrygia in order, in order, strengthening all these disciples. And a certain Jew named Apollos, born in Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord. And being fervent in the spirit, he spake and taught diligently of the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. And when he was disposed to pass into Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him, who when he was come, helped them much, which had believed through grace. For he mightily convinced the Jews, and that publicly, showing by the scriptures that Jesus was Christ. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I ask you to add your blessing to the reading of your word this morning. And, Father, I pray, <clears throat> Lord, in these next few moments, Father, I need you. I, I can't do this without you, Lord. I've struggled uh, to, to, to put an outline together this message, Lord, and I know that sometimes I don't need an outline. I just need you. And I'm praying this morning that you'll just, you'll, Lord, you'll meet every need. Father, you'll bring every thought to my mind that I've studied, and, Lord, that you've showed me. And, Father, I pray... That, Lord, this be a time when, Lord, your people just absorb the Word of God and just see from the Word of God how good you truly are and how you provide and how you meet needs and how you, you show up with things we don't even know we need. And, Lord, you're just so good. Lord, and I'm thankful that it's not up to us. I'm thankful that, Lord, we're not in control. Because if we were, Lord, we'd make a mess. Father, I'm thankful that you're in control of your work and we're just your instruments along the way. Father, help us this morning. Lord, I pray, Father, the Holy Ghost of God would work in our bosom today. Make a change in us. Lord, take our stubborn, selfish will, and Lord, do away with it. Father, I pray, Lord, that we would that, that our old stubborn will, Lord, would, would just melt away and we would bend, Lord, to your will and do as you want. Lord, not our will, but thine be done. Father, we know the time is short. Lord, we know we're coming down to the end of this age of grace. And, Lord, there's so many that are unsaved, so many lost, even around us in our midst and families, Lord, amongst friends and coworkers, people that are dying, people that are going to die in their sins and spend eternity in the lake of fire if we don't step up and do what we're supposed to do as your people. Father, I pray you work in us. Lord, cause us to be troubled by that thought. Cause us, Father 
to want to please you and want to follow you and want to do your will. Father, I pray you'd help me preach now. Help them to listen and receive it. And we'll give you the glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision, Be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace. Jesus showed up in the night while Paul was asleep and said those three words to him, Be not afraid. Now I find that interesting. I find that interesting. This is the same Paul who when he was stoned with rocks until he was not breathing anymore, his heart wasn't beating anymore, and they drug him out there and throwed him on the side of the road, and then after, after he went up to the third heaven and, and heard things unlawful to repeat and came back down and God raised him up, he looked around at everybody and he said, hey, let's go back into town. I ain't done. And went right back into town where they just killed him. And I believe he scared them to death. Amen. I wouldn't doubt it. I can't see that man getting afraid of him. Now, I, I again, Paul, this is the same Paul said, I'm in a, in a strait betwixt the two having a desire to depart. He wants to go be with Christ. Amen? But he knows it's needful for them for him to stay. So, he, again, he's ready to go. I can't see him being afraid. If he's afraid of anything, it's pain. Maybe he's afraid of pain. I, I don't like pain. I, you know, when they go to get a needle out of the doctor, I go get an antsy. Where are you going to put that thing? That's going to hurt, ain't it? I mean, listen, we're some, we, we tough people, ain't we? We get the doctor's office turned into little babies. I don't know why that is. I ain't come to preach about doctor's offices. But but we're not supposed to be afraid. But Jesus is reassuring Paul. And I think the reason he's reassuring him is because he, God knows how the devil works in our hearts and minds. You know, he wasn't afraid then because, bang, it had just happened, and it was fresh, and it was raw. And he said, I'm, I ain't scared of nobody. I didn't die once. I'll be still back down. And, and, you know, but here he's there for a year and a half. In 18 months, the devil can do a lot of things to creep into your head. The devil can throw a lot of doubts at you in 18 months, especially when, when, when you're staying right here and the synagogue's right here. And every time you go out of the house, you're going to see people going in and out of the synagogue. You're going to run into the chief priest. In 18 months, you know good and well, he run into, he run into Christmas and Sosthenes a bunch of times. Those were the chief men of the synagogue. So, but God says, listen, don't worry about this. They're going to say what they're going to say, and I guarantee you they said some things. I guarantee you they mouthed at him. I guarantee you they probably cursed him. They probably shot him every obscene sign that a person can shoot somebody. I know good and well because I've had them do it to me. It wasn't the Jews, but it was lost people. They see you out doing the work of the Lord. They don't like the work of the Lord. They'll, they'll, they'll let you know. They'll tell you you're number one. they told me that plenty of times. <clears throat> God says, speak. Don't hold back. Don't hold back. Let them have it, Paul. Lift up your voice like a trumpet and show my people their sins. Show these people their sins. They need to be saved. They've got to be, they gotta know they're lost before they're ever going to come to Christ. Hold not thy peace. Why? He said, for I am with thee. You remember what I talked about? Hey, when I, got, when I had my daddy with me, I wasn't scared of nothing. Amen. I mean, I had friends like that, too. I mean, I had friends who were big, tough, and rough, and I was with them. I wasn't worried about nothing either. Because I knew they'd handle whatever come along. But you know, God's with me. And I don't have to be afraid 
I don't have to be afraid to be a witness. I don't have to be afraid to stick my neck out on the line to help somebody because God is with me. As long as I'm doing the work of Christ, God is with me. And he said, no man shall set on me to hurt thee. He's reassuring Paul. He said, Paul, all right, I'm fixing this now to where you can get busy. I've got you in a place where you can really do what you've wanted to do all this time, but you've been hindered because every time you got started, they pulled the rug out from under you. I got you set up now, Paul. You can get busy. The Bible said he continued there a year and six months teaching the Word of God among them. I tell you what, I, I, I wish I had the Apostle Paul to teach me the Word of God, don't you? I tell you what, I'd sit down in a, in, a, in a heartbeat and let Paul get up and preach. What privileged people they were to have had him there for 18 months. Don't you know they should have gotten more than they got? Because when I read the book of 1 Corinthians, I know it don't look like they got anything. They were a mess. But praise God, I mean, they had him there for, for 18 months teaching the Word of God. What did God? God loved those people at Corinth, even though they were some of the most, the most rotten sinners in all of the churches. God loved them. I know Laodicea had them beat, but not by much. God loved them, and God cared for them. In spite of their own failings, God never fails. In spite of of their downfall, God never falls down. And God loved them and loved them so much to give them Paul for 18 months. And when Gallio, now this is a this is a Greek, this is this is a a, a, a like a deputy or a, a, a judge amongst the Greeks there. When Gallio was the deputy of Achaia, and so where's Achaia? That's down here in this part. He's the deputy, he's the judge of that region. The Jews made an insurrection. Now, this is 18 months after Paul's been there. Now, I don't know if it was all the Jews from Corinth in that area or if it was some of the Jews who had followed him on around down here trying to, trying to cause more disruption. But for what, whatever happened, all these Jews, they got together. They said, we got to put a stop to this. So they started rioting and, and making a big uproar and, and get, making a giant commotion in the city. All again, shouting against Paul. I mean, he's been there 18 months. Everybody got used to him. So what do you do? You create a crisis. You know what they do when they want to try to change something in our country? They create a crisis. They manufacture something. They blow buildings up like they did in like they did in Oklahoma City and blame it on somebody. They blow they shoot they blow up our twin tires and they blame it on somebody. When they want to change the law, when they want to change the culture, what do you do? We create a false crisis and then we fix it. And that was their, that was what they were gonna do. They were gonna create a false crisis and get Paul killed or locked up. That was their point. But what did God say? Got you, Paul. I got you. It's okay, Paul. It's going to be all right. So they brought him. They brought them. Uh, they brought Paul to the to the to the place of judgment. And here he is before Gallio. And Paul's about to open his mouth and about to speak on his behalf. And here's what Gallio says to the Jews. Oh, by the way, brother, let me read this. They said to Gallio, "This fellow persuadeth men to worship God contrary to the law." You gotta do something about this, man. He's messing up our religion. And I'm I appreciate Galileo. Galileo wasn't a religious judge. 
Gallio wasn't a Jew. Gallio didn't care anything about their religion. And Gallio did Paul the biggest favor. I want you to look at what happened. When Paul was about to open his mouth, Gallio said unto the Jews, if it were a matter of wrong, I mean, if this guy had broke laws, or if wicked loses, if he was running around naked in the streets or being vulgar with women or whatever, oh, you Jews, reason would I, that I should bear with you. If it were some, if he broke a law, did we ever read that Paul was a lawbreaker? No. In all his ministry, there was not one crime he ever committed that they could hold up and say, you're a lawbreaker, you deserve to go to jail. Never once. He said, if it were a matter of that, he said, oh, you Jews, I would, I would, I'd listen to you. He said, but if it be a question of words, I assume words like grace and faith, because, see, that's the opposite of works. And that's what they were trying to get them bound to, like we've been studying in here in Sunday school, about how these, these, these priests would blackmail people and they would control them. Don't you know that the priests of the Jews used the very same tools to control people? Of course they did. And they didn't want to lose that control. That's why they panicked every time Paul showed up, because he took the control away. He said, if it be a question of words, then get that, and names. What name was they worried about? The name above every name. The name of Jesus. If it be a question about names, if it's, you say, he's bringing this Jesus in here and he's destroying her. He said, that ain't, my, that ain't my problem. And he said, and this, if it's of your law. See, again, uh, if, 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 if we were having a problem in this church and we tried to go down here to Red River County Judge and have him solve our problem, he'd go, are you crazy? Why are you bringing your church problem down here to me? You solve that your problem, your problem yourself. Right? That's exactly what happened in this instance. The Jews thought they had it. Well, we'll take him down and get him voted over in jail. Oh, no, no. Know what God says? Don't worry. I got you. I got many people in this city. And he wasn't even talking about Gallio, but Gallio was one of them, amen? Because I guess he wasn't talking about Gallio because he said, listen, he said, look ye into it. He said, well, I will, be, I will be no judge in such matters. I'm a civil judge. I'm not a religious judge. Amen? And I ought to tell you right there, government needs to stay out of Christianity. Amen? Even a wicked, lost, Greek, pagan judge knew that. Amen. Stay out of mine, I'll stay out of yours. Amen? I don't want no part of their thinking scheme. Don't get in, don't get in what I'm doing. <clears throat> he said in verse 16, it says that, and he drove them from the judgment seat. That does not mean he said, all right, guys, y'all are dismissed. Get out of here. Let me tell you what that means. That means he called a bunch of his bailiffs, bullies, ruffians, soldiers, whatever, and they went to bumbling, just get out of here, whooping them, just knocking them up. I mean, they look worse than Dan did this morning. Amen. I mean, they wore them out. Hallelujah. I mean, whooped them Jews all the way out of there. Made them mad, too. You know what? You don't care about our law, we'll show you. And they went down and they got Sosthenes. The Greeks did. The Greeks were so mad that they brought them into the courtroom. that they came in there trying to do that, they not only whooped them, but then they went down to the synagogue and they grabbed Sosthenes and they brought him down there and they beat him in front of Galilee. 
The Bible says in Galilee, he don't care for none of these things. He stopped, he covered, he closed his eyes, put his fingers in his ears. I don't care about none of that. You know what's really interesting? I find that God worked in that too. If you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1, look right there. It's just a few pages over, not too far. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I'll turn there with you. 1, verse 1. <clears throat> Paul writing his letter to the, the church of Corinth. It says, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God with Sosthenes, our brother. You know what happened? They beat the tar out of Sosthenes, and out of that, somehow or another, God showed him, hey, you don't want to be doing what you're doing. You need to get with Paul in that bunch. That's salvation. Sosthenes got saved after that. Not only that, Christmas, the first one got saved, and then both the chief rulers of the synagogue got saved. Tell me God didn't work. I mean, did that happen in other places? No. And that didn't happen in other places. Amen. Verse 18, and Paul, after this, tarried a good while. I like it. Paul didn't get, none of these things, Paul, you remember what he says? None of these things move me. You know, you know why he said that? Because God was his rock. God was his constant. God was his comfort. God was his shield. God was his high power, just like he was for David. And so Paul didn't have to worry about everything because God was in charge. And if God wants me in a prison, then I'll be in a prison. If God wants me in a palace, then I'll be in a palace. If God wants me to be full, my belly stuffed and can't hardly breathe because I'm so full, then God will put me there. If God wants me starving and I can't hardly find anything to eat, my stomach's growling, God put me there too. What did he say? I learned whatsoever state I am, though, with to be content. So Paul was okay with whatever happened. He just stayed around. Showed him it didn't bother him, I guess. And then he took his leave of the brethren. He left there and he sailed thence. He's going to Syria. He, he stops over in, in, in Ephesus first. So he leaves there. He's on his way over here to Syria. And going back home. And he leaves Centuria. He sailed over here to Ephesus first. And the Bible said, after this, Paul tarried there a good while and took his leave of the brethren and sailed thence into Syria. It means he was headed that way. And with him Priscilla and Aquila, having shorn his head in Centuria, for he had a vow. Now, I studied that, studied that, studied that. I looked at it one way and backwards, and I read a whole bunch of stuff on it. And you know what? No, nobody knows what that means. That's one thing I learned. I read some people who said, well, Paul really messed up. No, it's horrible. He did this against God and all this. And I read people who said, he really had all the liberty in the world to do that. So, you know, nobody agrees on it. But I'll tell you this. I'll give you my take on it, which, which is about good for a cup of coffee, about what it's worth. Paul made a vow. What is a vow? A vow is a promise, right? When people get married, they make vows, right? All it is is a promise. So somewhere along the way, Paul made a promise to God, and, and, and he being a Jew, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, he knew all about vows, so he just took a vow. It didn't mean he went back to believing the law was the way of salvation. It didn't mean that he, that he did anything against God. He just simply made a vow. I took a vow one time. I, I took a vow. I didn't come and go through some ceremony, but I had, I had made a promise one of my children that I would pray when they were in a terrible mess and 
And I, I said, I'm going to grow my beard until this situation resolves. And every time I look in the mirror, it'll remind me to pray for my son. And so I let it grow, and it got down to here. Three years. Three years I prayed for him. He came home, and it didn't go like it was supposed to go. And things got turned around, and I just cut the beard off. I said, well, I prayed for him, and that's that. But I made a promise. I made a vow, and, I, and, and it was just between me and God. And, and you know, there was nothing wrong with that. Amen. And I don't think there was a thing wrong with what Paul did, but I could only think one thing wrong with what Paul's doing. Paul is trying his best. I believe with all my heart when Paul took this vow, he said he has to go to Jerusalem. So I believe that it was more than likely a Nazarite vow. And the reason I say that is because of the haircut. Now, let me read to you about a Nazarite vow. Numbers 6, 4 and, four and 5. All the days of his separation shall he eat nothing that is made of the vine tree and from the kernels even to the husk. So he can't eat grapes. All the days of the vow of his separation, there shall no razor come upon his head until the days be fulfilled in which he separated himself unto the Lord. He shall be holy and shall let the locks of his hair of his head grow. I believe he took that vow. And the only reason why is because at the end of this vow, he cuts his hair. And, and for, from, from what I've read and understood, he would have finished that vow by going to Jerusalem and going into the temple, and the pot where the peace offerings were boiled, he took the hair that he shaved, and he threw that into the fire under the pot where the peace offerings were boiled. That's, that's what I've learned about it since. Did he do that? I don't know. Does it matter? Not really. But the, what I want to point out to you is that Paul had such a love for the Jews. Such a love for the Jews that he wanted them saved above all. He went to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And God called him to be the apostle there, the Gentiles. And so Paul's love for the Jews is so great that it's going to get him into trouble. And he's, and he's beginning that move in his spirit and his mind as he's planning on going back to Jerusalem. Now, when he goes this time, I don't know that he ever made it to the temple. I don't know if he completed that vow like the Nazarite vow was. I think there was rules for if you were not near Jerusalem because it again, it was to be completed in Jerusalem. I think there were rules if you were not there how you could do it. But, but nevertheless, he made this promise. Verse 19, and he came to Ephesus. And he left them there, being Aquila and Priscilla. He left them there at the church in Ephesus. But he himself entered into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. He didn't even go to the church in Ephesus. It's just strange that he didn't go there. He traveled there, but he didn't go back and visit with them. And in one way it's strange, but in another way it's not strange. That church was an established church. That church was a thriving church. And therefore, they were not needing Paul as badly as that synagogue of the Jews down there that didn't know Christ. And Paul didn't go to the church he went down to the synagogue and sent them to the church. And the Bible says that, that, he, uh, that he went in there and he reasoned with the Jews. So he went in there and he began to show them out of the Old Testament Scriptures how that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is truly the Christ. He's preaching to those Jews, again, the who gospel, pointing to them that he is the Messiah. And once he shows them that, he'll preach the what gospel, what Christ has done for their sins. So he began to preach. And here's something that unique happens. It's never happened before. 
I say it's never happened before. It happened in Berea. But it, but it happens here. It says they desired for him to tarry a longer time with them. That's unusual. That hadn't happened much. Usually it's get out of here as quick as you can. But now they say, stay a while, Paul. And Paul said, he considered not. Odd, isn't it? First time he gets an opportunity, and they're wanting him to stay. He said, I can't stay. I've got to get out of here. But listen to what he says. He bade them farewell, farewell, saying, I must by all means keep this feast that cometh in Jerusalem. Now let me ask you a question. Did God tell him to go to Jerusalem? I don't think he did. This was Paul. It's interesting what he's about to say. And I find, I find something really important right here in what he's about to say. He said, I must by all means. No matter what, I, if i got to miss out on this and miss out on that and not be here and not be there, i got to go to Jerusalem. He said, but I will return again to you if God will. And he sailed from Ephesus. If God will. And it was almost a contradiction like that. Because was Paul doing what God will? No, he was doing what he wanted. He was doing what his heart wanted. He was following his heart rather than following the will of God. From this point on, Paul's going to end up getting himself in trouble, which is going to cost him his life. And it's not because he did something terrible. It's not because what he did was necessarily wrong, because people getting saved is never wrong. But the problem is, in God's, in God's view, the Jews had rejected Christ and were done. And so he had a church in Jerusalem, their function. They were there. James was there. They were still witnessing. They were still seeing people saved. God didn't call Paul to Jerusalem. God called Paul to the uttermost parts of the earth to win the Gentiles. And God, even though Paul, again, even though Paul was doing something that we would consider a good deed and something right, something pure, it wasn't in God's will. Like I said, when you are in the wrong place doing the right thing, the right place is empty. And the people that you would have reached in the right place and the success you would have had in the right place doesn't happen because we're somewhere doing something that we think is God's will and we've never even consulted him in the matter. The Bible said he sailed from Ephesus. I wonder how many could have got saved there if he stayed around, if he hadn't been in such a hurry. The Bible said when he landed at Caesarea, by the way, I want you to understand he went on there. Five, I mean, a 1,500 miles and he saw James and saw the other apostles, and he reported on what had happened. He saluted the church. He told them God is working. God's done a great thing. God gave us an open door the last 18 months. I've had freedom and liberty. And, and by the way, and by the way, I didn't mention this, but when Gallio made that pronouncement from his bench, guess what he did? He gave Paul liberty to preach the gospel freely in the Roman Empire without persecution. Because he said that's not our business. And he made a judgment ruling. And it went that way until the time of Nero, when Nero blamed the burning of Rome on the Jews. For some 15 years or so, there was liberty. 
God gave that liberty to the church. Amen. And what did he promise? You got to go. Ain't nothing going to hurt you. I got you. Go. Do it. Preach. Preach and don't hold back. <clears throat> so he goes up, he salutes the church, and then he goes down, the Bible says, to Antioch. Where's Antioch? It's up here. There it is. Now, why did he go back to Antioch? Because that's the sending church. That's his sending church. Amen? And you know what? And again, he's a missionary. He's got a sending church that supports him. And the Bible said, and after he had spent some time there, he departed and went over all the country of Galatia and Phrygia. He goes all over in here. Now, why is he going back over there? You know what he's doing? He's going to go right back to the same places he's just been and visit all the churches that he's just visited and strengthen those believers. He goes back through. Listen, God is so good. God doesn't leave you on your own, amen? God doesn't just save us and kick us out of the mess. Listen, God provided for us, and God provided for them. God provided for them a great, powerful uh, man of God to share with them the Word of God, to grow them and to help them, not to leave them on their own, but to keep coming back by until he had established those churches. God is working, folks. Listen, I know we live in a late day. I know we live in a late hour. I know things are not like they used to be. I know there's weakness in the church across this country. But believe you me, God can do things still today. He's not lost his power. God is able to do great things in me. He's able to do great things in you. And he's able to do great things amongst us and in our midst. God has not lost one speck of his power. God has not changed one bit of his program. And God has not taken his spirit. We have, we have the word of God. We have the power of God. We have the Holy Spirit of God. We should be functioning better than we function. God's been too good to us. God's provided too much help for us, for us to say we can't do it anymore. He went strengthening all the disciples. Folks, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to strengthen one another. We're not supposed to. You know, it's sad, but in a lot of churches, Christians tear one another down. They tear one another down. They, instead of looking at their own selves and, and asking God, what can, I do to, what, can, what can I do to be more right with you? What can I change about me? We look around at everybody else and see what's wrong with them and, start, and talk about what they need to do. God help us. We need to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, not try to humble one another. I'm not saying you're doing that, but it happens all around. It happens everywhere. We're to strength. We're listen. I've said it before. I'll say it again. How do you love God? By loving your neighbor as yourself. By giving yourself to others. By loving them as if as if as if you were loving Jesus Himself. Because when you do that, you truly are. That's how we strengthen the church by loving others in the church. Do good to all men, especially them that are of the household of faith. That's what the Bible tells us. We're going to come to the last little bit here and we're about doing it. Verse 24. I want to show you how good God is, how good God was in the absence of Paul. So Paul leaves them. Paul goes about his way. Now we're in Ephesus. Verse 24. And a certain Jew named Apollos, Born in Alexandria. He was born in Alexandria, Egypt. The Bible said he was an eloquent man and mighty in the Scriptures. He came to Ephesus. 
So this man had a this man had a way of speaking about him that people love to listen to. I wish I had that. I don't. I stammer and stutter, and I, I'm I'm not eloquent in, by any means. I'm the, I'm like a corn cob that's dried out. That's the way I am. I'm, I'm far from a linen napkin. I'm a corn cob. Amen. Uh, it, it might take the, it might take something off of you, but it'll scratch on the way. Amen. I, I'm 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 nothing I'm nothing fancy. But praise God, he can use anything. He can take a, he can take a straight he can take a crooked stick and draw the straightest line you ever seen. <clears throat> but this guy was eloquent. I mean, people liked to listen to him. He used the correct words. And the Bible said he was mighty in the scriptures. So he knew the Old Testament very well. But the Bible says this man was in, instructed in the way of the Lord. So he had grown up in the Jews' religion and he knew he knew God. The Bible said that he was fervent in the Spirit. So not only did he know God, but he was passionate about his relationship with God and his love for God. And the Bible said that, that this man who was so great of a speaker and so on fire for God and knew God very well, he spake and he taught diligently that, the things of the Lord. That means systematically, step by step, line upon line, here a little, there a little. He was teaching people to know the Lord. The Bible said he only knew the baptism of John. He, knew, he only knew the baptism of John. And you know, people get tangled up on that, but it's really not that simple. I mean, it's really, it's really simple. It's not complicated at all. What did John preach? He, he preached, he was making straight the way of the Lord, amen? He was, pre- he was preaching and he was, he was introducing the world to the Messiah. Okay? So what was he preaching? What did Paul preach to the Jews? The who gospel. Who Christ is. He is your Messiah. Look at him. Look in the scriptures. They identified him as the Son of God. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he, that was what he that's what that's what John the Baptist was preaching. Amen. Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. So he knew that. He said, well, did he know about Jesus dying on the cross and being buried and rose from the grave? He may have heard it. Did he understand how it applied to him in salvation? I don't know. The Bible, doesn't, the Bible tells us that he only knew the baptism of John. So evidently he had, for some way or another, missed out on all the rest of the teaching regarding the, the, the crucifixion, the burial and resurrection. You know, it's kind of like when you order something from Amazon. You know it's coming, but you ain't got it yet. He knew it was coming, but he didn't have it yet, amen? But he knew it was coming, amen? He was holding out hope. Hey, I, I know I know. there's the way of salvation. I get it eventually. But he was preaching what he knew. And the Bible says he began to preach boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them. They said, come stay in our house. Come on, follow us. We, we want you to stay with us. And they expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. Mark 4, 25. Let me turn over real quick and read it to you. Mark 4, 25. You know what the Bible says Mark 4, 25? The Bible says, For he that hath to him shall be given, and he that hath not from him shall be taken away even that which he hath. For he that hath him shall be, to him shall be given. He had... A lot of it. And he was reaching out for God. He was reaching forth with his limited knowledge. God, help. 
I want to preach your word. I love you. And God looked down and he said, you know what? That man needs a little more teaching. What did God do? God connects the dots. God put the right people with the right people. Do you know God's good like that? Do you know, you, you may say, be sitting there today, say, I'd like to do something for God. I just don't know how I do it. I don't know a whole lot about it, but I have a desire. If you have a desire and you have the will and, and you want to serve God and he's laid it on your heart, go to praying and, 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 and go to looking for God to send you help. Because God will never call you to do something and not send you the equipment to do it with. God will never ask you to do anything. He won't give you his power to accomplish. So they took him and they expounded to him the word of God more perfectly. They explained to him how that Jesus had paid the price and the debt was paid and it was through his blood and it was raised from the dead and it's done, it's finished. Salvation's a gift and all you got to do is receive it by faith. And I guarantee you, that moment, Apollos got gloriously born again and Apollos went to preaching with all his heart, knowing the full story. And the Bible said, and when he was disposed... Pass into Achaia. So he's leaving over here, and he's going back over to where Paul was, over to Corinth area. And the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples over the church at Corinth to receive him, who when he was come, helped them much, which had believed through grace. You see, they had Paul, and Paul left, and they tried, they're struggling over trying to get it done by themselves, and we know from the account of the scriptures, they struggled. What does God do? God sends a brand new believer over there. Fiery, fiery, fiery. Who can tell them straight up what, exactly what God said? God's good. God will provide. Amen? God will provide. This has nothing to do with me, but when Lucas told you he was leaving... Or do you think he's going to find a preacher? But God provided, didn't he? God worked that out. I didn't. I was trying to fight against it. I was trying to say, no, 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 Lucas, don't leave. Don't leave, don't leave, don't leave. I was doing everything in my power. I say, Lucas, don't leave. And I said, I can't do that. I can't take that child. That was it. I mean, and God just opened the door. I said, do it. I said, okay, Lord. Be glad to. I wasn't going to try to do it because I didn't want to do it. Cause, you know why I didn't want to come over and pastor? Because I didn't want to do it because it looked good to me. Oh, it's an opportunity. I see an opportunity. I'll go take that opportunity. There's a lot of preachers that do that. They got the job applications all over the whole region trying to find a church they can pastor. And they take the one that pays the best, too. I wouldn't worry about what she's going to give me over here. I just want to make sure it was God's will. Amen? God will God will take care of you if you'll get in his will. Amen? God will provide the things you need if you'll get in his will. And the Bible says, when he was come over to Torium, he helped him. He helped him. For he mightily convinced the Jews, and that publicly, right in front of everybody, he must, those who had caused the insurrection and took them to Gallio's court, he convinced them something Paul couldn't do. God sent somebody who could. He mightily convinced the Jews, and that publicly, 
showing by the Scriptures that Jesus was Christ. This morning, I just want you to get out of this message that no matter where you find yourself, no matter what, what's brought you to where you are, from right here, from right here in this, this moment in time, in this spot, you can, from this moment, change and alter the, the course of your existence by putting yourself in the hands of God. You may say, well, I'm saved. That's a good I'm glad you're saved. But are you in the middle of the world? Those are two different things. I'm married, but sometimes my wife ain't happy with me. Sometimes I ain't happy with her, but we still marry Listen, I ain't always in God's will, but I'm saved. You know what? I always want to be in his will. So when I find that I'm, maybe I haven't been trying to be in his will, or maybe I haven't been paying attention to be in his will, I need to get my knees. And I need to say, God, I want your blessing. God, I want your faith. God, I want your hand on me. God, I want to know that, that you are in control of my life, and I want to feel the freedom of knowing that I'm not in control of this, and you are. So I can relax and rest in that. I urge you this morning. If you don't feel that peace that I'm talking about, give it to God first. Amen. Let's say.